lost my space. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13, not 1 Samuel. Judges chapter 13. Make that 16. It's verse 13, but chapter 16, forgive me. And we'll start at verse 13 of chapter 16 of Judges. I'm going to read a few verses here. It's a familiar story, I believe, to us, but I um, would like to read it to refresh your memory of this story. Verse 13, chapter 16 of Judges. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me whither thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. Let me take you back a few verses here. What has happened is this lady Delilah, the name unfortunately we're quite familiar with, right? Delilah. And Samson and Delilah, you know, it's like salt and pepper that goes right together. And so we understand that she has now lied to him over and over again about the source of his, uh, source of his strength. He's lied to her, I should say, about the source of his strength. And, and she keeps lying to him every time he, he tells her, well, this is, my, this is the source. And then all these guys will come in and try to kill him, right? And, of course, he, he whoops them. And, and that's so this, now it's, this is not the first time she's asking this. And you think, this guy's a slow learner, right? Because she, she, keeps, she keeps lying to him, and, you know, he keeps lying to her. And, well, finally, though, verse 13, she says, uh, Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Boy, she's whining on him now. Tell me whither thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, knowing that she's lied to him over and over again, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he went and waked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and was in the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me three times and hast told me wherewith thy great strength lieth. And it, come to it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. that he told her all in his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in her, his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep. I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Heavenly Father, the lessons that we learn from the word of God, the opportunities we have to learn them, and Father, I do believe that we often find ourselves like this man, Samson. We find ourselves over and over again 
doing the things, Father, that we know not to do. And Father, like this man, Samson, it does indeed cost us something. And I pray, Father, now in this message that we learn lessons from this man and the opportunities that were lost in his life. And I pray, God, that we would not lose him in our own lives. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. What leads us to poor judgments? What leads us to poor judgment? Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Sacrificing the future for the immediate Putting things before God often when we do that, sacrificing the future for the immediate. We see it in this man, Samson. He sacrificed his entire future and indeed eventually took his own life and, and took and killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. But he, what was he doing? He was sacrificing his future over and over again. This was a man that was had a Nazarite vow Parents were godly people, begged him not to go down to Timnath to take a wife. And can't you find a girl from Israel? Can't you find one of our girls and, and, and so in our vernacular? Can't you find a Christian girl? And so, of course, he said, get her for me, I believe were his words to his parents. He winds up in Timnath, and of course, that marriage goes awry very rapidly. But often you'll find the chapters in the book of Judges regarding Samson. You're going to find that. He just gets into a town, and the very first thing he does when he gets into a town, the Bible will say he was looking for a harlot when he got there. This was the life of a man that God had called into ministry. He had a Nazarite vow on him, and there was a lot of things that a Nazarite were not to do, and I, Samson had no problem violating those things. Now, we do know that the Bible says that the parents were begging him, and it, it makes this phrase, I don't, if you've ever noticed it, there's a phrase in there, knowing not that it was of the Lord. I saw that phrase many years ago, and I was, Nate, I was a little shocked by that phrase. Even in the life of Samson, God was in control of his life. He had made for such a man at such a time as this. And also, a value to this man's life is he has left us a variety of lessons of things not to do for all generations. This man has left this great course, lost his life, but God did use him as a judge of Israel. He was such a thorn in the side of the Philistines that they spent all their time chasing Samson and, and the, pe the people of Israel had peace as a result of it. Can you imagine that? His life was just being chased by them and God used him to keep Israel safe and they had peace for the 20 years that he was the king, not the king but he was the the um, the prophet not the prophet and they got the wrong word the judge of Israel and so we see this man as, as God does use him but unfortunately he does ultimately come to the price that is paid and we see so many things in this man's life that are things for us to know not to do things that we know not to follow after what leads to poor judgment we see that this man sacrificed the immediate. He did the immediate sacrifice his future. Did the immediate thing that he, he did this everywhere he went. He went after the thing that was wicked. And every step he took, he was sacrificing 
a shortened life and a future. We see this in Esau. His brother, he was so hungry, he came back from uh, hunting and he was just ravaged with hunger. And his brother was cooking and had made up some, some chili, I would say, it's called red soup. And it's, it's just, uh, and he was so hungry. And I don't have, have a lot of respect for Jacob. I don't see what the big deal was to share a bowl of soup with your brother. So, but he's quite the shyster, you gotta admit. So he gets the birthright for a bowl of soup. What did he do? We find him not too many chapters after that as he is just weeping uncontrollably before his father as his father has given his brother the blessing. And he says, have you no blessing for me? And we find the weeping, what it was a such, such short-sightedness to trade the blessing. This was the heritage of the family. You think of the patriarchs, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Should have been Esau. He sacrificed the blessing for the immediate, just immediate satisfaction of his hunger. Samson, what does he do? He gives up that thing which she did not know, the secret that she didn't know. He gives that up to her for immediate satisfaction of stopping her from crying and mocking her, so to speak. And so he, she breaks him down and he gives in to her and gave up so much for so little, sacrificing the future on the immediate. Don't sacrifice those things, ladies and gentlemen, young people. Don't give up your future for the immediate. Those are the things Satan is going to tempt you with, especially when you're young, is he's going to tempt you with things that will draw you in. Why? Because he wants to destroy your future doesn't want what God can do with you in the future, wants to destroy you while you're young and limit what God can do with you in the future and at least discourage you perhaps so much that you don't think you can be used. And Satan, you follow that lie as well, that you can't be used by God if you, if you mess up in life. God will use you, but you'll be greatly hindered. We see this man as he exchanges. The next thing is putting things before God. I have very great difficulty with number one, but I know that it's true. Don't put your relationships before God. Don't put relationships before God. We see as he put a relationship in front of God and the damage that it did in his life. Of course, that was wicked and sinful what he was doing. And, and he knew way better than that. But don't put relationships before God. I have three remaining sons and I love those boys. Love my wife. It's hard not to put those before the Lord, isn't it? Our family, our grandchildren, all these things, these relationships that are so very, very dear to us. And it's difficult not to put those relationships in front of God because it's just such a natural thing for us to love our children. It's a natural thing for us uh, to want to care for them and, and, and put them first in our life. and. I mean, we take on extra jobs and we do all kinds of things in life, men and women, to try to do what? Do things to help our children go forward. Remember back in the early days of, of Christian school at, at Hammond and just all, all it was brand new in the 70s and so many people were making huge sacrifices. Hiles Anderson College starting. Many, many ladies, they gave rings and gave up things 
wife or the future of their kids to go to Hiles Anderson College, and there was such great sacrifice. But sometimes we can get those things out of order in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the word is not a bad word when it comes to God, but our God is a jealous God. And he doesn't want us to put any other gods before him. It's one of the commandments, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And sometimes we look at things and we say, well, this or that or this, this car or this precious thing that you wanted or your home or you put this above God. But the one that's hardest for me and probably most all of you is, is that relationship of our family is to put that in front of God and put that our focus of our family, things that are our responsibilities. Don't put your desires before God. Sometimes you've got a choice to make of something perhaps that, that you really have desire and need of, and you put those things before God. Scribes and Pharisees, blinded by selfishness, just completely blind. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Who's his own? The Jewish people, so blinded with their own thirst for power, prestige, money, position, and all of it was in the name of God down at the temple. And they recognized, many of them recognized, that this perhaps was Messiah. You know, when he takes a lunch of a little lad and he breaks it and feeds the 5,000 with it, kind of a clue, maybe this is not a normal guy. Just saying. When just by the speaking of his voice, he heals 10 lepers and many, many more than that. But at that particular time, there was 10. The thousands that he healed. The woman that just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And indeed, she did. And indeed, she was healed. And then the ultimate, the ultimate thing, the slap in the face to the Jewish community and those that held position and power in in the temple, Sanhedrin and so on, powerful men, powerful people. He raised Lazarus from the dead. That was the last miracle he did. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, they came to the realization that we have to do something and we have to do something now because everybody will follow him. Enough that he fed the 5,000, enough that he's healed. I mean, the, virtually, I mean, we don't have any, any deaf people, blind people, crippled people left in this community. They're all been healed by Jesus Christ. I mean, how far, I mean, how much more can we take? And now he's had the audacity to raise a man from the dead. So th they realize we, we have to do something and we have to do it quickly. The next thing that you see is they're plotting and, of course, do take the Lord Jesus Christ and bring him to the cross which is why he came unknowingly they were fulfilling the prophecies of what they would do and they nailed Jesus to the cross and that's why he came it was the joy that was set before him to die in our place so that we could have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord but the scribes and Pharisees can you imagine as they see their power their authority and everything slipping away here they are, their entire occupation, their entire life has been given to God. And yet their position, their power, all of that got elevated above God. The one that they served all these years, the one they made the sacrifices to, the priest, 
all these people, that all the things that they did, and yet when God in flesh came, they put that in front of God. The very people that should have honored God. Let's be careful that we're not putting things in front of God, but these people put their power, their authority in front of God. Saul ruined his life, the life of his son Jonathan as well. Blinded with selfishness, God had such a great plan for Saul. Can you imagine Jonathan? Jonathan loved David so much. Can you imagine the asset? Jonathan was an unbelievable warrior and, and soldier. Just fan, he was unbelievable. Can you imagine that Joab, I'm sorry, Jonathan would have been the probably captain of the host instead of Joab under the under King David? Can you imagine all the bright things that would have happened with this two men that had such a great care for one another, great love for one another, Jonathan, David, the great friendship, but father ended all that, of course, dies in battle with his father. Great heartache to David, but David's closest friend. Why? Putting things in front of what God's will was. The next thing, putting things in front of God, and then we have making quick decisions. Um, making quick decisions. How many in here have made a quick decision or a decision too quick? Any way you want to cut it. And you wish you had not. <laughs> ah. What do they call it sometimes with cars? Buyer's remorse. And, uh, <laughs> and that's with some things in life. And we made a decision that was too quick. When I came here to pastor, um, you know, people would ask me stuff. And, you know, you're new. You just want to tell everybody, oh, yeah, that would be great. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it, you know. And I, I gradually got the idea, you know, I, I need to say, let me think about that. Because <laughs> it sounds good right on the surface, but then you think, oh, yeah, there's a whole domino effect to that decision, right, that I didn't think of. So what happens to us sometimes when we're going to make things in our life a lot more difficult and our opportunities a lot more diminished is that, we need to think longer about decisions. Don't make quick decisions, young people especially, but adults, we all do it. We still, we still are afflicted with sometimes making quick decisions. Learn to say, let me think about it, or spend some time thinking about it. Count the cost sometimes. Relationship maybe that you're into, why don't you, why don't you count the cost, count, the, count what it means to be in a relationship with somebody and the responsibility of it blinded by sometimes our own personalities. We refuse to see any other point of view. We are all different. Every one of us has a different personality. That being said, there's certain types of people that do our fair is somewhat consistent, certain personalities that are quite consistent. And so we, we, we see those things, but consider Sometimes that somebody that's direct opposite of you in personality, probably your wife. And I'm not joking about that. That's really true. My wife and I are dead opposites. It's just my son does personality stuff for, for a living and, and works with employers and whatnot. And so he called me just laughing. He had asked us both to take it, you know, just out of his own curiosity. And he called me just laughing because I, I looked at the chart and like, you and mom are 
direct opposites. And uh, it works, right? And I need somebody directly opposite to me. I'd get lost without her. She has a great sense of direction, and I have my mother's sense of direction. My dad could find anything, and my mom could get lost going to the store. I was so encouraged. Forgive me. I'm in parentheses here. You guys were at the uh, Brother Potter's. It wasn't men's advance, but that meeting there. And Brother Potter got up there and admitted that he had a terrible sense of direction. We'd get lost just getting out of the church parking lot. And I was like, yes! <laughs> I can relate to you, man. Uh, it's just I got other things on my mind, right? So I'm just I'm thinking about something else, and all of a sudden it's like, where, where am I going? And uh, it seemed like a good thing to do is just turn out. I don't know how many times I'm going home. I'll be somewhere else, and you know what I'll do? I'll come to the church. I get in the parking lot. Like, what am I doing here? I was going home. Don's done that. He's laughing at me. Uh, we have we have people that are directly opposite of us, and you know what? Sometimes their opinions clearly are dead wrong, and they can't see it. You know people like that, right? I mean, it's, 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 this is absolutely right. I don't know why you're so dense. You can't see the obvious because they're looking at it a lot different than you. Dan, I think, is sick today. Dan's from Dan and Deb. But Dan's a detail guy, and he's like the perfect guy to, man, to, to do, the, do the finance that Pastor Nelson did it and wonderfully. But I thought, man, Dan Smith would be the guy. He's retired, and so he's. And but the details that he sends to my desk, and I just, I'm thinking, man, I just, just give me the big picture, man, because man, he's got this all laid out. It's fantastic, and I'm glad he does it. But brother, what I don't want to spend a half a day trying to figure it out. It's uh, I want, I want to, I want to, I want, I want, I want to know this, 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 and this, right? I want about three numbers. And I want to see, you know, what the big picture is, how, you know, how the month went, what the offerings were. So just once a month, just show me where we're at here. And uh, he's, and so, but it, I need somebody dead opposite of me to do this, right? Handling the money is not the time for a big picture. It's details and it's got to be right. And so we, we need those people. But understand in life, you're going to find that, that, that on rare, rare occasions, you may butt heads. Right? Because you see, you're seeing things completely different light. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to make quick decisions, you might ought to, in my case, I have a deacon board that I bring things to and let other guys have an opinion on it so that I can see another point of view. Well, it keeps, keeps me from making a mistake. Why? Because there are other guys that are looking at it differently, that think differently, that can see a downside to it. Because, you know, sometimes I'm the eternal optimist, and, and things aren't always optimistic, are they, Chris? Sometimes they're not. And so, you know, it's just that's the way you, we need people in our life that are going to guide us. And so we sometimes make a quick decision, bring somebody else into the picture. Don't misjudge necessarily people based on their opinion because they don't see it the way you see it. They're going to see it differently. And so make decisions and look at and listen to others opinions on it because sometimes your opinion will lead you astray your thoughts will lead you astray the last thing is this sin in your life will cause you to make bad decisions we look at this man samson what what was it going on he was just he was just driven by by his own um, attitude his own desires everything about this guy was always seeking things that he shouldn't be doing. 
And he's a tremendous example for us in the Bible of what not to do. Sin in your life will cause you to make bad decisions. Why would he trust Delilah after this? After lying repeatedly? Because he was overwhelmed with Delilah? The stoning of Stephen, was it about justice? No. It was a bad decision they made stoning Stephen. It was the beginning of lighting the fires of the gospel that would spread and this man wasn't justice, it was wickedness in their heart. Sin in your life will bring about bad judgments. People will fall out of church. Generally, I'm talking about people that, that, that quit going. And what do they do? They make, they make a bad decision and they find themselves out of church in bad judgments. They'll usually not leave because of church. Generally, they leave because they have sin in their life. And they fall out of church. And they find themselves away from God, not realizing it when they fall out. Under conviction, sometimes we find submission is difficult. We fail to follow instruction. We make bad decisions by not following the instructions that we already know, not just in church, but reading the Bible, we know to follow those things that are wise and scriptural. Keep your life simple. Keep your life simple. Follow biblical principles. Follow biblical principles. Keep your life simple. God never makes a mistake. God never has given any bad instructions. And if you want to live us a life that is going to be a life in the will of God, will be a life that is so much simpler to, to lead. Even in the hard times within the will of God, you know that you're in the will of God and that God is working in your life. And so it keeps your life more s simple even when hard times come. Because sometimes you look at it and you say, well, I know that God's not punishing me for sin. And so I know God's doing something in my life. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning, that God's working in our lives through, through trials of life. And so those things are going to come, but if you're living in sin, you realize, uh-oh, I better get my act together because this, this, this could be coming from God because I, I come by it honestly. I'm the one. Keep your life simple. Follow biblical principles. Why do people quit? They find it hard sometimes. Just there's difficulties in their life and they find it hard to stay in church. Sometimes the draw of secular work can take us away. Let, let Christ be the passion of your life. All of us, I certainly understand this, not at this juncture of my life, but all of us do understand. You gotta get up and go to work. It's just life. That's, 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 men, that's what we're called to, right? And many ladies are getting up and going to work. Those are things we have to do. But let's, let's always keep in focus the main thing in our life, the main thing, putting Jesus Christ first. Put those things second to the Lord. Our secular work is not our passion. Our passion 
is the Lord Jesus Christ as believers. Let's don't get our passions out of order. Let's keep our passion for Christ, number one, having no other gods before us. There's a lot of things that will draw us away. But let's be careful to keep Christ, number one, in our life. We can make a lot of bad decisions in life that can be totally avoided if we just follow biblical principles. Just follow them. What God says don't do, don't do it. What he says do, do that. It's just following God's direction. You want to have a, lead a simple life, a life that's blessed. God can, can guide and direct your path. And it doesn't, when I say blessed, I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about the blessing of God being in his will. The blessing of God being able to share with others when they're in, in need. The blessings of God are so awesome to have in your life and be able to bless others through those blessings that God gives to you. That's the nature of blessing. It's the Dr. Hiles sermon, silent sermon. Get it and give it. Get it and give it. That's what God's, that's what God wants of us. The good things that he's given, let's make sure that we're giving to others, not just financially, but in so many variety of ways that we can help other people. Father, now for this invitation, I ask you, Lord, to work in hearts. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, let's stand together. I ask you this morning, have you made the most important Bible decision in your life? And that's to trust Christ as your Savior. That's number one decision you have to make. When I say have to make it, I say have to make it because it is going to keep you out of hell and take you to heaven if you trust Christ as your Savior. He is the only way. He says that of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you get to heaven someday, you'll come through Christ. It won't matter whatever ever thoughts you have, whatever you think, all those things. When you face him face to face, you'll understand we're worthless. There's only one thing that matters, and that's have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the only way. He's the only Savior. He's the only one that died in your place. He's the only one that shed his blood that was sinless and from God. Trust him today. Church family, let's make wise decisions, biblical decisions. Let's not do the things that are going to lead us to poor judgments. We'll have our invitations sung. Altar will be open.